0: You're listening to Beyond Numbers, a podcast by Zero for accountants and bookkeepers. In this series, you'll hear from leaders within some of the accounting industry's pace-setting firms who will share news, views, and creative solutions so you can step away with some inspiration or new ideas to take back to your own business. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Beyond Numbers. I'm your host, Ash Gibson. In this episode, I spoke to Alistair McGill, co-founder of award-winning accounting firm Ashton McGill, based in Dundee, Scotland. They won Small Firm of the Year at the Zero Awards in 2020, and were finalists in the mid-sized firm category for 2023. Alistair's firm is really unique in that he and his son Andy founded First as a consulting business, specialising in service design and customer experience, and eventually recognised an opportunity to take what they'd learnt and apply it to accountancy. Despite the change of tack, they didn't lose this passion for design thinking. Alistair shares in this episode how they're using service design principles to improve the client experience for their accounting firm. I hope you'll enjoy listening to this episode just as much as we enjoyed recording it. Alistair, welcome to Beyond Numbers.
1: Delighted to be here, Ash.
0: Thank you so much for making the huge trip down to London um, this week. You have such an interesting founding story, at Ashton McGill, and a really interesting business model. So I'm really excited to learn more about that today. Um, and of course you're a real expert on service design and design thinking, uh, which is a topic for our podcast today. Um, and this is a really interesting topic for accountants and bookkeepers uh, when it comes to building really beautiful experiences for clients, but also across teams within accounting and bookkeeping firms. So, Alistair, why don't you start by telling us a bit about the history of Ashton McGill and how your firm has evolved over the years?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting journey, Ash. We started out in 2016, I guess, fifteen sixteen, as a consulting business and working in design, service design, and what often in the business world is known as customer experience. And and, and the the shift to accounting, I trace it back to 2016, and back then Mike Day was education director at Zero and asked us if we would run a webinar and this part of the summer webinar series on service design and design thinking for accountants which we did and and um, on the back of that Andy who's my son and also co-founder in the business and um, he saw that a real opportunity to bring this to the world of accounting but not just to teach people to do it you know to actually create our own accounting business and and bring service design to the accounting industry. And, you know, at first I really didn't want to do it. I'd, I'd run a big accounting business before, my background is Ernst & Young or EY as they were back in the day, eh, or as they are now. And and I didn't. I was enjoying being a designer. You know, I got to go to parties and people would say, what do you do? I said, I'm a designer. Back then we were working with people like brands like Volkswagen. Um, we also did a big project for the V&A in Dundee and helped to create their design for a business programme. But Andy just kept on chipping away at me and, and eventually I relented. Um, but the 2017 version of me approached that in a really different way. I guess 10 years prior to that, I probably would have just dived in and and we'd have had an accounting business up and running within a month. This time we used design thinking to create what Ashton McGill became. And so from about February 2017 was the start of the process for us. We must have had over 100 conversations with business owners. We just asked them some simple questions. You know, what do you what, what do you like about accounting? What frustrates you about the experience you have with an accountant? What would you like them to do more of less of? what could they do better? What would you like them to stop doing? And it just gave us a really rich set of data and information about what the market was looking for. and And so over that summer we began to put all the building blocks in place. We became partners with zero. we set up a partnership with receipt Bank as they were back then. Um, we started to craft out what our business model would look like and September 2017 we switched the website on Um, the first person signed up to the client today Angela this is milk Um, and and off we went that was us on the the journey that you know that, that we've now continued to build upon but that was really the genesis that's where it all started from.
0: Yeah. And was that just you and Andy at the time?
1: It was, yeah. It was just the two of us at the time. Becca um, had probably started to do a little bit of content work for us around the um, customer experience work, the design thinking work that we were doing but really in, in the inside of the business it was just Andy and I the very first person that we brought into the team um, was a lady called Joyce who's just retired actually Joyce had worked my brother and I have a golf business and Joyce had worked for us in our golf business as a bookkeeper um, and so I didn't want to do vat and payroll work um, I did in the early days but uh, our, our model was always about I guess what we now call as a, advisory in our industry these days but that was what we wanted to really focus on, was helping people build better businesses. And so Joyce came in and joined the business on a freelance basis, doing VAT and payroll work for us.
0: Great, so how big's the business now?
1: There's now, across the whole team, there's about 15 people in the team, so it's a bit scary at times to think how much it's grown. Um, Just from that 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 small acorn, I guess, back in 2017, we've got a disparate team, a remote team, um, we've got a core team that are based in Dundee um, but I think what we've all learned in the pandemic is that we don't have to be in one location and our clients are all over the UK in fact they're all over the world now and so so that means we can be as well.
0: Yeah nice and speaking of clients what types of businesses do you work with predominantly have you found yourself like navigating towards any particular niche at Ashton McGill?
1: It's an interesting question we, we, we talk about this a lot and And so the simple answer is that we don't niche on a sector. We tend to niche on a person or type of business owner. Um, And so that persona we know really well now. It's really quite refined over six years. They're ambitious, they're entrepreneurial, they're tech savvy. They want to do things well. They value what an accountant can bring. So they don't see it as just a cheap service. They're looking for a partnership, looking for someone to ride shotgun with them on the journey of building a business and so it's really important for us that there's a value of from their side of what we can bring to the relationship. Um, we te- we found that we've tended to cluster around particular industries now that when we with the benefit of six years and nearly 200 clients we can look at it now at quite I feel like a helicopter level so we have a cluster in tech we have a cluster in food and drink we have a cluster around... We, we actually are, we work with most of the largest community interest companies, social enterprises in the UK. That's something we're really proud of. Um, and then there's a couple of smaller um, areas that we work in. But those would be the, big, the technology, food and drink, and then that community interest company uh, segment as well.
0: Nice. And do you... Uh Do you do any service design for your clients or is it predominantly just using your experience for your own business?
1: Yeah, it's so the the answer today is that 99% of the time we don't. We haven't sold service design as a service really since probably about 2020. Um, I still teach on a few programs. And so prior to Ashton McGill, back in 2014 15, I was head of entrepreneurship at the University of Dundee. And um, uh, and and I've still got some connections with the university and teach on some of their programs and some of their accelerated, business accelerator programs. And, and the, the type of work I do there is design for business, or again, what we would call service design, teach people design thinking. But it's not a core, it's not a part of the core proposition within Ashton McGill these days. We've talked about it, we've thought about it. It's not to say it won't be in the future. We're really keen to grow out the advisory consultancy part of our business, and we really see an opportunity to to bring service design to the businesses we work with that might well be something that is in our not too distant future
0: cool so let's talk a bit more about service design and design thinking what actually is it what what are the main principles and
1: processes Uh, i guess it's been around forever um and you know i I grew up in the world of the, the business in the 90s and the 2000s I guess was my business education and in those days we always talked about building customer centric organizations that was the language that we used we realized that if we listened to our customers understood their needs and problems and then delivered solutions we were going to have a pretty successful business, whatever type, and we owned all sorts of different businesses in those in those days. We had a data cabling business, we owned a chain of American pool bars, and um, we owned a construction business. But all, the commonality that ran amongst those businesses was they were designed in today's language, not the language we used back then, That were designed around the needs of the user, the customer. And really what design thinking and service design are all about are understanding the needs of that customer that we want to serve. And... And and there are specific we could go down a rabbit hole with what these things are, but to keep it really at quite a high level, it's about understanding users' designs more than just the aesthetics. About it's more than just about how something looks, um, or the aesthetic of a, a particular thing. Often it's about how we make people feel. And so as accountants, I think as an industry, that's something we've not done well in the past. Or when part of our research when we created Ashton McGill the accounting version 2.0 was we looked at how we educate in the industry at the moment through university and through professional exams and the disappointing thing is that not a lot's changed since I started in 1986. The content is largely the same and we're taught to be technicians we're trained to be technicians and that's fine, we need to know how to make these complex calculations and how to advise people on really sometimes quite challenging aspects but the thing we've not done as an industry is think about it from the user's point of view the the person who receives the service ironically we're a service industry we're a professional service that hasn't ever really considered the people that delivers the service to so we've delivered to them rather than for them mm-hmm. it's a subtle distinction right but service design really is about understanding the person that you're serving and how the service we deliver impacts upon them
0: it makes complete sense doesn't it because businesses don't go out to you know learn about accounting they go out to do something that they really love and are passionate about so yeah yeah, your role is to help them understand all those things that they don't exactly
1: exactly it's one of the things that all professions are quite bad at um where we see we because we value we value the work that we do we we think it's really important and it is but one of the words that I always come back to as well so simplicity is one of them the other one is empathy and empathy is a huge part of being a designer if you go to art school design school to to study service design design thinking you're going to spend a lot of time talking about empathy and another way to say it, another way to think of empathy is is what does it feel like to stand in that person's shoes you know what's going on in their life and we might think this fact returns really important and it is it's got to be submitted by the 7th of april friday as we sit here today But actually, and so we could be bombarding the client with emails. Why they're not responding? If we don't understand what their day looks like, what their life looks like, how the challenges that they are facing, the things that are going on inside of their business, then we're just going to end up with friction in the relationship, and that's not good for anyone. The client gets upset, we get frustrated. And, and eventually you end up maybe parting in company the worst the worst case of that situation. Right. One of the things we've started to do, Ash, is bring clients in. We have a training day on a Friday and we invite a client in once every two or three weeks. Um, and, and, but it's been a really important thing to do because it's allowing our team to build empathy for the people that we serve and to understand the things that go on and where we fit into that. And, and it enables us to then be a better provider of services and it strengthens the relationship. So you can take something where there was a point of friction. This is really what design thinking is at its essence. The world I grew up in in the 90s, I was was told that uh, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. That was the kind of language of the business world, which is completely the wrong way around. If you bring the problem and share it, then actually you might find a better solution. And so for us, listening to clients, listening to um, our partners at zero, understanding what's happening in your world, having that holistic perspective, that allows us to do great work for great people.
0: And so do you bring your whole team along in, on that ride when you bring on a new client, or Brilliant. is it just a sort of select uh, group?
1: It's a good question. I mean, it's a real, for design thinking, uh, my experience, I mean, we used to teach this stuff in the university, um, is the more diverse a group you can have, the better the mistake that big organizations often make when they bring design thinking in is that they just want their senior leadership team to be involved in this most of the time it's not the senior leadership team who deliver the service to the customer or to the client and so if you don't bring the people who are in at the the coalface if you like who are right at the front line of delivery into the process you're never going to in that if you think about that that um discover stage i talked about you're just going to have a bunch of managers making assumptions And so if you bring in the people who are actually delivering the service to that conversation, and actually sometimes not even the people that deliver the service. Joanna, my wife, runs our, um, she's our business manager, she runs our whole onboarding process. And so Joanna's not delivering service to a client because she has so many insights about what happens through that onboarding stage that if we didn't involve Joanna in the design process, we'd miss so much.
0: Yeah, totally. So how scalable is this process?
1: Oh, it's eminently scalable. I mean, two of the... Two of the organisations who are held up as big users of design thinking are the US military and Coca-Cola. So if organisations like the US military and Coca-Cola can use design thinking, we all can. One of the projects we delivered for the v back to 2016 again, my pre-accounting world, um, was with Scottish Power. And so uh, Scottish Power had really liked the idea of embracing design thinking. They had an innovation team within their organization, but they felt that they were maybe missing something, there was a missing component. And so they engaged with us at the V&A to ask if we could deliver training to their innovation teams across the country. And so um, a chap called Andy Cameron, who was running the program at the v and and myself, spent the autumn of 2016 traveling around the country. We were in Glasgow, we were in Penrith, was particularly enjoyable. We were in Wrexham um, and and a few other locations within the Scottish uh, Power Network, running workshops with, what, to all intents and purposes, were engineers um, to teach them these tools so that they could approach innovation in a different way. They had really, they were doing innovation in my 90s version of innovation, where you bring solutions. Mm -hmm. They weren't bringing problems to the table. So they were all being rewarded for creating ideas, but there was no collective process. Also, the other thing that was interesting with that piece was, was almost all of the time that we turned up to one of their locations, we were faced with a room of middle-aged men in suits, not the most innovative group. And so where this works really well is where you bring diversity to it. So ethnicity, gender, role, yeah. age, and I think the, the, the richer you make that group, the more dynamic the process and the more fascinating the outcomes.
0: Having, having used service design and design thinking at Ashton McGill, how mm. do you think it's impacted your client experience? Like how, how yeah. might that differ from other
1: firms? Yeah, um, it's uh, so as we've grown, I find it more challenging. Because on day one, you know, it was me and Andy and then Joyce and I kind of did everything. And so um, I was in control of every aspect of what we do, every touch point. So one of the, like, one of the words we use a lot in design is touch point. And, and so a, a really useful thing for people to do if they want to is just to start to map out all the touch points. What are the touch points you have with a client? You can do that at macro level over the course of a year. You do that at micro level. And so you take the service of payroll. So the service of monthly payroll and actually begin to map that out all the different touch points. You know, there's a touch point at the start. We start the process. So we use Carbon, we send a we send a message from Carbon which triggers the beginning of the process of payroll. And there and there might be several more touch points with the client on the way through that. And what we've tried to do as we've grown is we take time regularly to stop, to pause. This is what we use our Friday mornings for, um to get our post-it notes out, let's just let's just map payroll. You know, we've got a new process in Carbon. Is it settling down? We, we spend a lot of time asking clients. I met a client here in London yesterday. Um, for the first time, I hadn't met him before. Everything had been on Zoom through the pandemic. But we met yesterday, and one of my questions was just, how are we doing? You know, how, what is it like to be an Ashton McGill client? He'd transferred in from somewhere else. And it's really important to get that kind of feedback. And so for us, service design is an iterative process. It's not a once and done it's just it's it's embedded within our culture. It's embedded within everything we do, and so we use our Friday mornings to map out processes. We look at the touch points with the client. Are there too many? Because one of the cha- you can map a process out, but and actually as technicians, which most of us are in accounting firms, um, it might look great.
0: Do you use Myro for
1: something like that? We all, we used to in the pandemic, I'm um, back to post-it notes on the wall. <laughs> um, we might map it on Myra if we need to, mm-hmm. but uh, if, when you come to our office, there's always post-it notes on the, there. was post-it notes everywhere and Sharpies everywhere. And, uh, and often there's just stuff mapped on the wall. Yep. Um, I, I much prefer to do that physically. Mm-hmm. There's something about standing and holding a pen and a pad that triggers, and I, I don't know what the psychology behind this is, Ash, but. Um, it brings it much more to life. It feels more dynamic than sitting at a desk with Miro open. Yeah. Uh, We've just noticed over the years running workshops, design workshops, when people are on their feet. If I have the opportunity to run a workshop, and we're using tools, some tools like the business model canvas that people might have heard of or be familiar with. These are big. I have these things printed out in A0 size. They're big. They're like posters. And and if we have people sat around a table working on that, you get one type of dynamic, which is which is fine. We put we put that on the wall, and give them a padded post-its and a sharpie each it completely changes
0: mm. i agree because you can see where people are sort of navigating towards or focusing a bit more time on or yeah. questioning like you can kind of pick that up in the room whereas on mirror it's a bit like if you're over on one part of the board you know yeah. you don't really know what's going on it served like. a
1: purpose and and sometimes it can be a useful tool for us just to capture what we've done <laughs> yeah, and record what we've done um but for us that service design process is iterative let's yeah. look at touch points and And again, as accountants, I think often we can design too many touch points in because that works well for us. But that empathy piece I talked about earlier and simplicity piece, Mm -hmm. if we communicate with the client too many times about something like payroll, that's going to start to hack them off. And if we have empathy for them and know that they're busy and and that last week of the month could be a particularly busy time for them in their business cycle. If we're constantly sending messages to them, uh, it might be the best design process in the world. But if there are too many touch points, then the client's going to get frustrated. And and so it's always a useful thing to do to just look at the processes that you have in place to think about, yeah, that might work really well for us, but maybe one of those emails we can ask two questions instead of asking one question in each email. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I guess plotting it out with post-it notes or on Myro is a really great way to see, like, wow, that's a really busy... Yeah. Board. we need to look look a bit closer
1: exactly and the other thing that people don't do even those that are practicing design sometimes is ask clients what they think and I think that's a really important piece and people are often afraid to ask a client because they they think that might be a show of weakness I'm not sure you know we're professionals we're meant to know this stuff in the past 10 15 years of doing this I've never had a customer a client a user, say to me when I ask them if they would take part no I don't want to they love it Mm -hmm. they love it they feel valued they think wow these guys care enough to ask me what I think and so we've got to go into that conversation prepared to listen one of our values and also not and not to go into it feeling defensive because you might hear stuff that you don't like or don't want to hear but actually I want to hear that stuff because that's the opportunity to improve something
0: what what are some of the alarm bells that Accountants and bookkeepers might recognise when the experience isn't fit for purpose and they need to sort of take a closer look at, yeah. at what they're doing.
1: I think I've used the word friction a few times today. I think that's really important. So if you feel friction at your end or you're getting the sense that the client feels friction, so let's use frustration as an alternative word to friction. That's a sign that something's not working as smoothly as it could. If you are having too many interactions with a client that's a sign that something could be done differently I think if clients aren't engaging with your process then and that can often happen that's an alarm bell it might just be that they're really busy and it might be that there's a different way to communicate with them you know a a lot of us use amazingly well-designed practice management software which is we use carbon and it's as good a system as i've ever seen all of these systems are predicated on using email and we touched on this a bit at zero last year with rachel in the session on the day two where we work now with a lot of clients we have a whole bunch of clients who are tiktok advertising agencies i've never been on tiktok i'm 54 i'm never going to go on tiktok these guys don't do email because they're 23 or 24 years old and so we're, we're pushing messaging out to clients that's not landing, and now we're sitting back going, why are they not replying? Well, they don't do email. And so someone just not responding to something, we can sit back and imagine lots of things in our heads. What we should do in that situation is just go and ask them. Is there a reason you're not? Is there a different way we can communicate this information to you? We need to get X, Y, and Z back from you so we can do our job. And so that that th- these are all warning signs for me. And and we can choose to do one of two things. We can choose to do nothing and just sit back and get more and more frustrated. Or we can choose to just go and ask why.
0: And it seems like a real opportunity to sort of innovate and differentiate yourself in a really competitive yeah. market as well.
1: Yeah, for me, it's, and this stuff's a no-brainer. I'm, and I know that's a cliche, but none of this is rocket science which is something I say all of the time, it's not. And if you're a good accountant, like I'm sure everyone listening to this, everyone in the EZero ecosystem, we go into the profession you know, we care about what we do. We're good professionals, but these days the rules of the game have changed and, and just being a good professional, that might not be enough. You've got to think about, we've got to think about how we deliver our services and how our customers, our clients, experience them and receive them. and But the beauty of this, Ash, is that it can be fun. You know, it's an opportunity to 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 think differently about how you do accounting. And at the end of the day, we're all customers, uh, everyone's customers of somebody. And in our daily interactions, we mapped this out one day. Um, we took a, a day in the life of Ash. and And even by today, I mean, we're sitting here at lunchtime today. You've probably engaged with at least a dozen services so far today. Now, you won't think like that, but you will after we've had this conversation. You know, the service of um, getting the train into London today, the service of arriving here, the service of this room, the service of buying a coffee somewhere, all of these things are micro-services. And actually, once you begin to realise that and look at what happens in those interactions, you pick up a bunch of ideas. And, and these are things we can bring into our accounting businesses because every customer, every client we deal with, every business owner we deal with is a, predominantly a person. You know, most of us are dealing with people. We'll see them as businesses, but actually, there's an owner, there's a manager, there's a person, and that person has stuff going on in their life. And so, if we have that context, and just remember they're they're the same as we are when we're interacting with those services, then then the light bulbs start to go off, and and you begin to think, well, okay, what's the what's the if you think what's the best coffee experience you've ever had.
0: There have been many, but I am from New Zealand. <laughs> you so. are from New Zealand.
1: It's one of the things you guys have always done really well at ZeroCon, And so one of the things I always love about coming to ZeroCon is I know there's going to be barista stations. I get there early so I can get my... Bar- and, and so that's an element. For me, that service design, that zero understanding that there are people within your community that love coffee. Now, now you can choose to do one of two things. You can ignore that and just have filter coffee available for everyone or Nescafe or whatever. Other brands are available. Or you can recognize that there are many people within your community who love coffee as much as you do, and so you can create barista stations throughout. Tobacco Dock last year, I knew where they all were by the end of day two. Um, and and actually, what that does for us as your community is it shows you care. You've thought about it. There's a thoughtfulness to that. Um, it's important, and 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 you've created an experience for us as we arrive at Zerocon. We know we're going to get a great coffee. It's not just a good coffee. It's a great. Coffee, and so actually the experience of coming to Zerocon, uh, whether it's been consciously done or not, but for me that's a great example of service design, of thinking about the users, thinking about the things that matter to them, and it's a small attention to detail, but it yeah. makes a difference.
0: Yeah, coffee is key to every event experience, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's spot on. It's just thinking about you know, what is it that your customers or clients want to experience? What's gonna put a smile on their face yeah. or, um, or make things really simple or just make them think nothing, like One think actually that was really seamless or not think it at all. Not know? think
1: it at all. One of the things we learned in our research back in 2016, which I'd never thought about before, when we asked people about their experience of visiting an accountant, they said, a lot of people said, it makes me feel really anxious. The feeling I have when I go visit my accountant is the same feeling I have when I go to the dentist. I was going to say, yeah, dentist, yeah, terrifying. And and that's because often well, there's two there's there's many things to this. If we were to unpack it, a lot of client a lot of accountants rarely go to visit their clients. It's difficult to really deeply understand that business and have proper empathy for them if you've not been in their premises and seen what they do, or if they don't have a premises, you've just not gone and hung out with them, spent time with them. So that, that's point one. Point two, when clients do come to visit you. Most accountants, now. there's a lot of people within the zero ecosystem who are really good at this now. But six years ago, seven years ago when we were starting Ashton McGill, a lot of people weren't good at this. They hadn't thought about the environment. They hadn't thought about what it's like for the client to arrive. What happens when they open the door, how they're greeted, what the environment is when they sit to wait for that meeting, what they're offered to drink. We were piloting a lot of this stuff when Diane Holden and I worked together back at Freelance World, back in, I mean, we're going back 12 years. But we were a lot of this stuff then we didn't well we knew it was design thinking by that point it was service design by that point um we had one of the clients we had in those days was chocolatier diana remembered the business um coco ooze was the name of jamie hutchin coco ooze and every monday jamie would turn up at our office with two trays one big tray of white chocolate little handmade chocolates and um, three trays actually white chocolate milk chocolate dark chocolate and we had barista coffee machines in our office, and we had all sorts of different teas. Because we knew that the initial experience we created for that client when they came in made the difference between them wanting to come in, looking forward to coming in, being engaged when they came in, or being scared to hell of being in. Just a simple thing like giving them a lovely cup of coffee with a handmade chocolate in a nicely designed environment. And you might not have a huge reception area, but you can still make it nice. You can have some flowers. You can have some plants. You can think about the colour schemes. And in our office in Dundee, we're in a beautiful converted space. So we'll, we'll then go through to the meeting room. And there's an option to sit around the table. We can have a nice, We can host board meetings in there. But also we've got the sofa. We've got our lovely, beautiful, comfortable armchairs. Clients always go to those. Always go to those. And and what that whole thing does, like none of that's about counting. It's just understanding that People are nervous when they come to see their accountant. They're feeling anxious. They don't know what's going to happen because most of them aren't accountants. And so you know they haven't thought about a lot of the stuff we might be wanting to talk to them about. But if we can just help them to relax, to feel comfortable, to look after them when they first arrive, it changes the whole dynamic.
0: I love that. It's such an important part of the experience. And and I'm sure a lot of the industry... Like haven't thought about that necessarily. They're thinking about their firm and
1: yeah. and the yeah. service
0: that they deliver, but possibly not the things that surround it.
1: So many of these things can change the client experience. And and then we need to think about, okay, in a, in a post-pandemic world where many of us are working remotely or hybrid working, clients won't necessarily be coming to our offices. And what's the online version of that? And one of the things we've stolen from Zero is Hug. And you use it's it great. so well. And so we now use hug um, with our clients. We send uh, one of the little touch hug points. Hug with
0: about three Gs, hug, I think. Yeah. Isn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah. One of the things that, that we do, Joanna does this for us in our organization, um, is that we recognize every client's financial year end. We send them a hug voucher for something. And it's tailored to knowing the client. Um, so they get a coffee voucher or a cinema voucher or or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just a little thing that says, well done. You know, you've reached the end of another 12 mm. months in business. And the feedback we've had from that is phenomenal.
0: Yeah. So simple and cost effective too, isn't yeah. it? Because so, you don't have to worry about the postage or getting people's addresses and things no. like that. Yeah,
1: There's there's so many little things we can do. If we want to just step a, step a little bit back and away from being a technician, right? We're all good at that. We're all qualified. We all do our CPD. We all know how to do that. We come to ZeroCon and other events to learn how to be great accountants. These days, that's not... Enough, and um, with the, the the march of AI and so on, um, you know we need to think differently about the the whole client experience. And so the online version of that for us is we use hug vouchers. Um, we'll encourage the client to, if we're going to have a call, we'll we'll encourage them to make their beverage of choice. It's just tiny little things that you can sprinkle in that make people feel good about yep. working with you.
0: When hug pitched to us. They set up a meeting and then said, and don't worry, lunch is on me. Here's a £15 for Deliveroo. So once we're done, order your lunch. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And then as soon as I had the call, I was like, oh, I see exactly what you just did. It was amazing. And then obviously we started using them because <laughs> yeah. it was a brilliant experience. Very cool. Um, What advice then would you give to accountancy firms who... Maybe you're listening to this and and are now interested in exploring design thinking and Mm. service design a bit more, but maybe unsure of where to start.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I hope people do think this is a worthwhile thing to bring to their organizations. I guess, first of all, there's so much information online nowadays. One thing they could do is go to ashtonmcgill.com. There's a whole ton of um, design thinking, service design content on there. It's just freely available for people to use um i think that it could be really daunting right if you've got a traditional firm and and you haven't done things in this fashion but someone listening to this just might be feeling inspired or enthused to try something then one of the things i've learned in the world of design is to do exactly that try something so take a really small part of what you do you don't let's not go and break the business but let's take let's take the service of payroll and Let's look at that through the lens of a client. Get your post-its out, map the touch points. What are all the things that happen from the first of the month to the 31st of the month? What are all the things that you do and what are all the things that the, where the client, you interact with the client? Just what does that look like? And, and, and look at that through the eyes of the client. Stand in their shoes, have empathy for them. Maybe talk to a few clients and, to, and, and just ask them how it feels. What does it feel like to receive our payroll service, and maybe just start to make a few changes to that? Because I think if you try to look at your whole organisation, it could be really daunting, mm-hmm. and you probably will end up doing nothing. Yeah. But if you take something relatively small, and then begin to lean into this concept, lean into this process, look at things through the eye, look at things through the eyes of your client, ask them for their feedback, make some subtle changes. And then let it run for a couple of months. You'll hopefully see a smoother, better um, experience for the client. It should also always be a smoother, better experience for your team as well. It's really important. Um, And then that's a success. That's a win. Now you can look at something else and something else and something else until it just becomes what you do.
0: Yeah, nice. Great advice. Thank you. So wrapping things up, um, if anyone wants to connect with you the you know we've talked about this a lot the zero community is most powerful because yeah you all have that opportunity to learn from each other and connect with one another at at events and um and one-to-one um so how might someone connect with you or learn a bit more about you Alistair
1: yeah so I think first of all the community is really powerful and really important and I'm always open to you know my emails are always open or, or or LinkedIn is always open reach out and If someone wants to learn more, I'm always happy to share. Um, I'm available on Instagram, on Twitter. on LinkedIn seems to be more of a platform these days. Um, I I wasn't heavily a LinkedIn user previously, but I'm finding more and more interaction on there. And I think the long-form nature of LinkedIn enables us to tell more stories on there. Um, And so I'm using LinkedIn more and more as a platform. That's probably right now the most um, optimum platform. Reach out on there, send me an invite. Let's have a chat and either an in-person coffee or a virtual coffee.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Alistair. I'm sure there'll be lots of people doing that after this uh, podcast comes out. (laughs) Um, So we have our new tradition for season two, uh, which is playing a a wee game of Would You Rather. So I have a few questions for you. (laughs) Okay. Um, Alistair, would you rather have to design a service that prioritizes functionality over aesthetics or a service that prioritizes aesthetics over functionality?
1: Functionality over aesthetics, always. Why? Just because something looks good doesn't mean it works.
0: Yeah. What happens if it works really well but just looks terrible? (laughs) You can just work through that. Yeah,
1: you can refine (laughs) the edges. You know, most people, if it works really well, aren't going to care that much about how it looks. Fair enough. My ideal is that it looks really good and it works really well.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, Would you rather have to write all of your emails in rhyme for a year or answer every phone call with a knock-knock joke for a year?
1: (laughs) Uh, Probably answer every phone call because people don't use the phone that much anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so you just have to have a few rhymes kind of up your sleeve. Just a few, just a handful. Yeah. Okay, and would you rather only ever cycle uphill for the rest of your life or never cycle again?
1: Oh, well, uphill for okay. the rest of my life. I mean, it'd be hard work. I just think I'd, I'd have to buy an electric bike.
0: Oh, I feel like that would be cheating. <laughs> <You're, wasn't laughs> I part didn't of specify the question. that, though, did I? <laughs> okay, fine. Um, nice one. That is all I have. Um, they may have come courtesy of Ch- uh, ChatGPT, those questions. <laughs> um, I did tweak them slightly Love um, it. for the audience. But yeah, thanks, ChatGPT. AI for life. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Alistair. It's lovely to have you on today, and thank you again for travelling to be here.
1: It's been my pleasure, Ash. Thank you.
0: Cool beans. I'm Ash Gibson, and this is Beyond Numbers Season 2. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do hit the follow button, and whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or somewhere else, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening.